Welcome to the Conscious Woman Podcast. This is your host, Pavna Dur. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you interesting and insightful conversations on a range of topics that will support you in both living and leading more consciously. From conscious leadership and conscious inclusion to conscious eating, conscious parenting and conscious fashion. This podcast is in conjunction with the leadership development work that we do to support women leaders in leading with mindfulness and compassion. To learn more, please go to shinomics.com. Welcome everyone to episode 2 of the Conscious Woman podcast. Today we're talking about something that appeals to many of us, I know it does to me, and that is fashion. In particular, we will explore how we can consume fashion more consciously. Can we look good while also being kind to those involved in the process of making fashion and the planet? We have just the most lovely guest to chat about conscious fashion with, and that is Shivangani Padiyar. Shivangani is the co-founder and creative director of The Summer House, a lifestyle brand that marries sustainability and style. The brand works with organic and handcrafted fabrics to create timeless pieces in their beautiful sunlit studio and ships to over 40 countries across the globe. Shivangani and her business partner Rekha have built the company on the philosophy that you are what you choose. They have chosen to be kind to the planet and those in the production chain of fashion and are at the forefront of promoting mindful consumption of fashion. Let's dive in. Welcome Shivangani to the Conscious Woman podcast. So wonderful to have you here with us because our goal at the Conscious Woman podcast is to really help women live and lead more consciously and how you consume especially what you wear, which is a big part of consumption, um, becomes a core component of living consciously. So really happy to have you here with us and shed some light on what does it take for us to dress more mindfully. Uh, So welcome, Shivangini. Happy to be here. Great, wonderful. Shivangini, I'm just going to begin with a set of statistics that you actually cite on the Summer House page, which are quite startling. So let's begin with that. The fashion industry is responsible for 10% of annual global carbon emissions. That is more than international flights and maritime shipping combined. That's one. Most women only utilize 20% of their closets, which means 80% of clothing essentially remains idle in our closets. And if you add this up across the globe, we are talking about 9 billion pieces of clothing that just remains idle. So that's quite staggering as well. And Uh, The number of times a piece of clothing is worn has gone down by as much as 40%, yet the production of clothing globally has doubled. Yes. So with all, yes, go ahead. Because we have so much more variety to shop from and, you know, we keep buying. So there's a lot of demand, which is why the supply has increased, but we're not really wearing so many more clothes. We still wear one piece of clothing a day. Absolutely. So given this contest, Shivangini, let's begin by defining 
what is mindful fashion or conscious fashion or sustainable fashion? Call it whatever we want to call it. But what is that? And why is it more important than ever before? I think mindful fashion is the nicest way to put it. And it kind of encompasses everything else. Uh, what is it? I think to understand it very, very simply, Bhavna, it's just the fact that uh, just as much attention is paid to the people making the product and the planet as much as you pay attention to the product itself. So it's not just attention to product and how it looks, but also its impact on the people who are making it and wearing it, of course, and, you know, and its impact on the environment around. So it's just, it, you know, the word mindful covers it all. It's, you're not putting profits over people or planet they all they all can and should go hand in hand hmm. so shivangini how did you end up in mindful fashion tell us your story where did your journey in living mindfully begin i think a lot of people who are into this you know uh, business of mindful it is a business of mindful fashion uh, I think it starts very early on. I mean, if once now it feels like, oh, you know, I had that light bulb moment and let's start a brand. But if you, you know, take a step back further and you realize that, it, you know, the roots, the seeds are sown, you know, much earlier. So it was, I, I didn't grow up in a city. I lived in a village. I grew up in a boarding school, which was in the hills. Uh, there was a lot of solitude. There was a lot of quiet. I grew up with uh, very deeply influenced by my grandmother who used to, you know, uh, make everything. Like she used to like embroider stuff and, you know, make clothes for us. I think a lot of people have these stories. Mine is not a unique story as such. In India, almost every household has this way, you know, you see your mom's beautiful handcrafted style, whether it's Jamdani or Kanjivaram or, you know, whatever, hand-painted. There were so many kinds. And then they used to make their own curtains and, you know, grow their own vegetables. So you see all of that. And the strange thing, at least because if you've grown up in the 90s and you were, there was, especially in the village, you feel like there's a lot of patriarchy and you want to escape it. And, you know, you don't really appreciate the good side of it as much. And you want to get out of it and go to a city and make your life and all. But once you're here, you truly miss uh, that slowness and you know that mindfulness where everything is consumed everything is first of all made when you need it it's not just bought because I like it but it's made or bought because you need it you know it starts from there uh, so I think this the seeds were sown very early on in terms of you know just mindful consumption living and all of that uh, and then obviously I met Rekha and we kept talking about it we did not know that what we are doing is sustainable fashion or mindful fashion or my, nothing. We didn't know that. We got to know of the term, I think, a year down the line. We just decided because none of us have a fashion background and none of, neither of us have a business background either. So the only way for us to do it was to do a lot of research. We, just, we were just two people who had, if I can say so myself, good taste, you know, and so we... Uh, we just did a lot of homework and we were so taken aback by how harmful everything is. So we were like, no, no, we can't do this. Let's do it the correct way. 
So it wasn't really to make it a business talking point, although it is now and we do use it to our advantage. Uh, but it was more to just do the correct thing. You know, we didn't start out as we will be a sustainable fashion brand. We thought we'll just be a very cool fashion brand. It clearly sounds like and certainly shows in every in all the ways in which you represent your brand that it is core to the ethos of your brand. And I can tell that it is even for you personally as a, as a, as a philosophy, as a way of living. So Shivangmi, for our community here of, of, of conscious women, as they're thinking about building their closet, and of course, one of the ways is, is to, to do so is by shopping from sustainable fashion brands. And let's begin there for, for a moment. How can one be more mindful in identifying the right brand because and please correct me if i'm wrong my understanding is there is no standardized metric one can really use to assess how sustainable a brand is uh, an industry wide practice that everyone is following so when you have a market where you see so many slow fashion brands now calling themselves uh, uh, slow, uh, as, as, as espousing slow fashion and mindful fashion, how can we as consumers be more discerning? Um, you know, I want to start with saying that it's a great time right now as a consumer, uh, if you want to build a mindful lifestyle clothing, because I don't think uh, in the 80s and 90s, we had the kind of options that we have now. Uh, a lot of these brands that are saying slow fashion are actually slow fashion, you know? So I, I, you know, there's a lot of talk about how there's a lot of greenwashing happen and it is happening, but it's more on the larger scale on the big corporates. I feel like smaller brands are really doing a decent job. They may not start out like perfect, but I think because they're small, they're very quick to, you know, navigate and figure what the, next correct thing to do is and stuff like that. Um, so when it comes to identifying, you know, what are the correct brands to shop from, I would just say, ask a lot of questions. It really is that because as you mentioned, there's no systematic way. There's no like, for example, you know, an electrical ISI mark or an ag mark for agricultural produce. We don't have any such mark which says this is clean clothing. So the only way to do it is then really ask and not just ask like, is it organic cotton? That's not enough because if it's organic cotton grown in another continent, it's not correct. You know, then they're going to, it's, they're going to undo all of it, you know, just bringing it to where you are. So right from where's the fabric sourced from, you know, what is the dyeing process or the coloring process? What is, and I think we're all intelligent enough to know when you're speaking to people, whether they're making it up or not. And I want to assume that because you're recording for Shinomics, that your audience will understand when they're talking to people, whether they're just being taken for a ride or not. So I think that's the key. Just ask questions, you know, where is the fabric? Where does it come from? What was the dyeing process? Uh, more than what is the dyeing process, what happened to the water that was used to dye it? You know, like, where did that go? Like, because they should have the information. If they are a mindful fashion company, 
they can't have skipped this information. It is very important to know. Just because it is block printed, it doesn't make it slow fashion. Just because it is organic cotton, it just doesn't make it slow fashion. It is something that has to be pursued every step of the way, right from, you know, it, just because it's uh, like, you know, like, I mean, there's so many ifs and buts, I mean, and it's not possible to get the tick mark at every step, but the fact that they've considered it and they'll say, okay, you know, this, we, was, we could do it, we could have done it better. Like we would like for it to not be dry clean, for example, but we can't because, you know, this is a vegetable dye and it's going to bleed if you wash it by hand, whatever. So you, you, then you know why that tick mark has not happened, but questioning is key. I think that's, that's crucial. To, to truly understand. And for the larger companies, you are, I mean, they already have it, most of it on their website. I don't think the staff will have that much information, but their information is really up there for the world to see. So it's very easy to, a quick Google search will tell you about the company you're shopping from. Yes. And what are some of the check marks, as you said, that you are looking at at the summer house to decide for yourself if you are really, truly advancing this movement towards sustainable fashion? Because I, as a on the other side, I definitely see you doing many things that are changing the paradigm, such as the recent initiative that you just launched called Relove. Uh, would love to would love for you to share more about that. Things like even other things that you're doing to change the paradigm, like using plus size models or using 100% biodegradable fabrics. Tell us all the things in which you are going about looking at this. I think we're doing well overall <laughs> in almost everything. Um, given the size we are and, you know, at the place we are in the business currently. But so to tell you what tick marks, uh, it starts from the beginning, the sourcing of the fabric itself, right? We use two kinds of clothing. One is it either it's certified sustainable. So whether it's organic cotton or it's e econile, it's tensile, it's all certified fabrics. We know where they come from. We know that there was no deforestation involved, for example, for tensile. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, the organic cotton was grown locally in Maharashtra, if making it in, if the fabric is made in Karnataka, the cotton is grown in Maharashtra. So we kind of, you know, keep track of that kind of stuff. Uh, we have partnered with a very good factory for our mill-made fabrics, uh, which means that we know exactly, I mean, it's a solar powered factory. Let's start with that. We know that the water effluent system works because we check it. And, you know, it's not because a lot of factories say the system exists and it does, but it's not working. So it's not enough for, to have a certification. It's important that it also works. You know, uh, so we know that the water is not just put into the earth. It's recycled. It's reused, you know, for dying. And then finally, it's processed in a way where the final water can actually be used for gardening as well. So, you know, the final waste that uh, we say. Uh, then the production, it happens in our own studio. So we know that our tailors are well-paid, well-respected, there's dignity of life, they're taken care of. And we know that the quality of stitching is perfect because these are senior tailors, it's at least 12 inches per, uh, 12 stitches per inch or more sometimes. So, you know, we make sure that the quality is correct because we want those garments to last. And we know they last because when we put up the real love thing, a lot of people are now saying, oh, we've got your clothes for four years, five years, we're going to now sell them. 
uh, they're still in great quality. So we kind of also have uh, proof of the pudding that you know the quality is great. Uh, then it comes to packaging, which we really struggled with. We did because what happens with clothes uh, is that it's the, you know if you put them in paper and it's monsoon, it's going to get wet. If you put them in clothing in a cloth bag, which we did, and then you know it like during COVID they were spraying everything like blue dart and all. I mean I don't say blue dart but all shipping companies were just spraying stuff because they were trying to be safe. Uh, and, you know, clothes were getting stained. So there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of these uh, bags that say that they're completely biodegradable and we experimented with that, but they would tear, you know, so if you had more than two garments and you would put a third garment, by the time it reached the customer, there was a tear in the bag itself. So there was, it was such a journey because we also had to keep it cost effective. Obviously, there were solutions we could have like done that, you know, a, a pizza box from recycled cardboard and all, but we didn't have the storage space for, you know, pizza boxes. We, I mean, the, a pizza box is basically a box that opens and shuts like a pizza box. It's nothing else. <laughs> it's a generalized term. Um, and uh, so there, there was, we really struggled with packaging. So finally, we are at this place where we have a cloth bag, which is a drawstring bag. It comes with your wash instructions printed on it for all clothing, whether it's summer house or not. So, you know, you can just put, even if you're traveling or anything, you can use that bag for years to come with zero dye. And we put that cloth back in a paper bag. So, you know, it's, it's a double layer thing and we are, so far it has worked. So you're not going to get a crisp, luxurious box that comes to you, but it's the most eco-friendly thing we can do at the correct at the current and there's no tape used no cello tape used in it and all so it's correct like that um we don't use any paper labels there's no tags uh, because all information is given on the cloth bag itself and on the website and on our product pages on the website are very detailed so there is no information you will miss when you purchase a garment so we, we've eliminated the use of all you know i mean like this was years ago we stopped using paper tags and then it comes to you know care so all our clothes as you know are hand wash or machine most of them are machine wash the embroidered stuff so I think about five percent of our clothing is hand wash you don't need to dry clean any of our clothes so we don't have that as well and now we finally close the loop where if you're tired of wearing our clothes or if you change size like I have in the last two years and stuff like that you don't need to be stuck with that clothing. You can just sell it off on the summer house page itself. And in return, like you'll get a good return back for it. Obviously not the full amount back, but there's an algorithm that calculates what you should get for it. So at least you know that someone else will continue to love it, continue to re-love it and wear it. And it's, you know, it stays within wardrobes, wearable wardrobes, since we mentioned that 80% of clothes are not worn. So, you know, so we've kind of, I mean, it's possible to be better every step, right? I mean, there's so many new fabrics coming up. Like this beautiful orange fiber, it feels like chiffon. It's so good. And we tried printing on it, but it shrinks. So you know, there's a lot of failure like that as well where we want to try because there's so many new man-made fibers that are so intelligent, you know, and uh, can help in fact with waste management as well because it that was made from orange peel. I thought it was great. But then if you're going to do that and it's going to shrink with every wash or you dry clean, which we don't want you to do. 
So there's a lot of trial and error. Sometimes we, like the first time we used stencil, we got it so wrong because you know it was fading. The color was fading. Then we now we've corrected that. So this round of stencil that we've launched after three years again is correct. It's not going to fade. You know we've cracked that how to do it correct now. So there's a trial and error, but I think at every step we do try to do the correct thing and keep seeing there's a way to improve. We try to do both. That's a great set of sustainable, sustainable, truly sustainable measures, I should say, that, that you've adopted. And clearly you're taking a very thorough and comprehensive approach uh, to this whole journey. So that's, that's really good to hear. Shivangani, other than shopping from slow and mindful fashion brands such as yours, what are some other easy ways in which any woman who is looking to dress sustainably and really build a mindful closet for herself so that she can both look good because we know that is important. We, we don't want to compromise on style and beauty. So we can look good, but at the same time, feel good about the fact that, yes, I am minimizing my carbon footprint, or I am being kind to the environment, or I am being kind um, to anyone and everyone, or all of the various stakeholders uh, around me. So what are some other things one can do? I think the main thing you can do to you know, have a mindful wardrobe is to not shop. So, you know, when you, when you started with, you know, sh shop from mindful brands, my thing is don't, like don't, like, you know, unless you absolutely need it, because the women we are and the society we live in, we have enough. I really, truly believe we do. Uh, again, going back to the statistic that 80% of your wardrobe is not used. You, you do wear what you are most comfortable in all the time and then save clothes to wear, you know, for special occasions and, I'm not talking about the very heavy stuff, but I'm talking about, you know, just like a silk shirt, stuff like that. I would say just maximize the use of your wardrobe as a first step. There are lots of ways to wear the same clothes, you know, like uh, just style it differently. There's so many videos now on Instagram. There's so many influencers. There's so many ideas out there to start with. So I think when we see something that, oh, I need something like that, the first question is, do I have something like that? Chances are you probably do. And you know, with a little tweak here and there, you'll be able to make it work. So that would be the first thing. Uh, if you absolutely want to, you know, uh, go about shopping, then please shop from a mindful brand. Besides that, I feel just make, you know, like I grew up making my, I'm also, I'm a short person, I'm five feet. Uh, I grew up in a village, there were not many stores. And I always wanted to have my own style. So what we did is we literally all my clothes were stitched while growing up. And I don't know when we stopped doing that, especially in India. It's sad because all of us know tailors or, there, or we know tailor shop clothes by if you don't know the tailors personally, right? Uh, there's so many fabric stores. There's so many khadi bandars. There's so many these, you know, craft mailers that happen where, you know, weavers come and sell their fabrics. Uh, by length, you can buy by meterage. So you can design the clothes that you will truly wear, uh, where you know it will fit you correctly. Because I think a lot of times the clothes we don't wear also because 
you know you buy something you don't like it later but if you made it you will like it because you know you've been part of the whole process of making it so i would feel like that's the other thing that you can consider doing like if you're mindful of just the whole process and you know of and of getting a garment that you truly love you and i'm using the word mindful so much now because <laughs> i should be aware of it uh i think that will help you know create a wardrobe that you truly like uh then is obviously things like how often you wear it you know as i'm sorry how often you wash it you know because uh, we wash our clothes especially in india all the time even if you wore it for a couple of hours maybe it's not required i understand if you're living in a very hot and humid city like chennai or maybe even bombay in summers uh but otherwise like your denims don't need to be washed just for like oh my like i hear people say i can't bear it i need to wash it yes you can bear it just keep it out in the sun you know let it air dry you'll be fine you'll be able to wear your denim at least four or five times uh you know your shirts if you're working in an ac environment if you're going in an ac car or cab chances are you'll be able to wear that shirt again once more so you when you come back just air dry it in the sun or you know air dry it in the open basically not in an ac environment and wear it after a few days or maybe the next week you know it's possible to just be very mindful in the kind of water usage and the kind of i mean also the soaps that we use are so harsh and they all entering our water systems and underground water right eventually so that again will help you be more mindful of your wardrobe and how you're consuming the garments you have um what else just take care of them truly because a lot of times we stain our clothes for example and we ruin an entire shirt because of a stain that we didn't wash in time so if you have stained your clothes like you know that there's a curry drop or a wine drop put a tissue paper on it let it absorb the oil if it's curry for example or talcum powder if it's that the best you know put talcum powder on it let it let it absorb the oil and then immediately wash it with hand wash is enough just take a hand wash if you don't have, you don't need detergent you know just if you because when it's fresh it's easy to take it's not seeped in yet the you know the fibers have not locked around that stain like yet it's possible to just wash it off uh your chances of saving that garment are just so much higher than you know than trying to dry clean later and saying oh my it's not still not clean and then discarding it and stuff like that so just care like that if you have a seam if if you have one thread taken off just get it stitched up at the local tailor again you don't need to do it yourself a button that's popped off can be stitched a lot of our clothing remains unused because of these small things and you keep thinking i'll get it done later and then five years later you don't want that garment anymore Uh, and you throw it so it's just been lying unused and then it's thrown so a lot of these things uh, can be taken off just by taking that step at the right time within a week in terms of stitching because then after that you're going to forget let's let's be honest and in terms of staining just wash it immediately i think you youtube it if you don't know how to you know do the clean the stain immediately but it should help yes I have to say this is great validation for me personally because I am trying my level best to observe many of the practices which you just laid out. I have been on a complete shopping fast now for more than 2 years. Okay. I started in June of 2019 because exactly as you said, I just wanted to stop mindlessly shopping and stuffing my closet with clothes like you said which i'm never going to wear 
So I thought, let me just go on a complete fast. It will be a great way for me to also declutter my mind. Um, so I gave away a lot of my clothes. And what I did is exactly what you just laid out. I started looking at some of the old saris in my closet given to me by my mom or my mother-in-law, which I either only worn once or never worn. And I just partnered up with a, with a tailor and started converting a lot of the saris into outfits. And I think that's one of the benefits or luxuries we do have in India, that it's reasonably yes. affordable to do that. I know many of my friends in the US lament how it's very hard for them to find a tailor to, to do that. But in India, this is something any of us can do easily. And it's so much fun. Yeah. And the local tailors are very talented you know like it's like you go with one design they'll tell you oh you know you can try this you can try that they will give you ideas themselves if you show them the fabric and the inspiration I mean you can just show a Pinterest picture you can show a magazine picture and they'll tell you all the variations possible with it so and you're not alone in also deciding you know you have they will help you out so I'm very happy that you've actually gone on this closet cleanse almost it yeah. doesn't work in my favor I still want people to shop from us because money but <laughs> I think it's a great great practice and uh, what it allows us to do is that when when we go through a cleanse like this uh, when you will shop whenever you do because I mean eventually we want new clothes we want to look good for a certain location you know like this it, it, it is a feel-good factor I think it will help it will be on your mind you will make a very conscious choice Yes. Yes. So Shivangini, what does your closet look like? If we, if we were to take a peek inside your closet, how do you go about assembling your wardrobe? I have two shelves of clothes. I'm, I'm the worst. I give away clothes very, very easily. Uh, if I'm not wearing them, I'm, I don't hold on to things, to be honest. I do hold on to some stuff which are like silks and all, which I think are very pretty. And I have a daughter, so I feel like she'll grow up and wear them. So, you know, for, for her, I keep some stuff. But um, I probably take four to five garments from the summer house every year. Uh, but last year I didn't, so this year now I've given them a longer list saying I do need more clothes. They never send me clothes. That's it. Please just send me more clothes <laughs> this year. But um, I have two shelves of clothes. I don't wear denim for the kind of consumption it involves. Um, you know, so that takes out, I, saying I, have, I, I don't know how to explain my own wardrobe actually. So I have a lot of skirts and I have a lot of tops and I have a lot of dresses. Uh, I have about, I think, at least 10 each, uh, I'm sure. And I have a couple of t-shirts. And then this, it's just because I have skirts and tops, it's just mix and match. And I'll, I'll mix a silk with a linen and like, I, I have no rules. I'll like, you know, I'll dress it up depending on my mood for that day. Uh, almost all of it is uh, either summer house, of course, or it is very, very old. Uh, so I do have things, I, I hold on to things that I like and I take care of them and keep them off along. I have saris. So the two shelves don't involve saris. Now, because saris are, you know, there's such a, it's such an Indian thing, you know, saris when you get married. So I have saris that were given to me as gifts and all. I, I must have at least 30 saris, I kid you not. And I don't wear saris on a regular basis. I don't own salwar kameezes. I used to keep buying salwar kameez thinking, you know, you know, I'll wear it for an occasion. And I realized I don't wear them at all. So no use buying them. So I, I, whenever, for the smallest occasion, I'll wear a sari because I have 
these 30 saris that I keep, you know, moving about and keep changing the style of blouses with it to make it look different each time. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it's really that. I have a lot of color because, you know, that really makes me feel happy and good. Uh, yeah, that's the only way to describe it. Less clothes, lots of color, lots of mix and match. Sounds like you're also living a minimalistic lifestyle in addition to being sustainable as well. Well, well, the last two years, we've also been locked. We've not really stepped out. I didn't see the purpose of truly shopping in the last two years or getting clothes in the last two years. I, I don't want to say that I have a small wardrobe because even if you have 30, 40 pieces overall, like, you know, counting everything, it's not a small wardrobe. Like, you know, it's, it's enough like that. You can still wear one thing a day and the entire month will go by without you wearing the same thing again, you know. So it is quite an extensive wardrobe in that sense. Uh, it's, you know, I'm very scared of using the word minimalistic because when people say minimal, they associate it with like light colors and like slow living. I, I don't have a slow life. I have a very fast paced life. You know, I, we live in a city. I have a child. We're always going here or there. Uh, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of meetings. It, 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 I, I, I'm a very urban person. Let me put it like that. Yes. So, uh, the intention is to have a slow life, but I don't think it's possible to have it on an everyday basis. I, I'm very afraid when I, if someone says minimal, because the imagery associated with minimal is soft colors and gardening and, you know, like very la la la. I don't have that. I have happy, bright colors and, you know, just lots of things to do every single day in those clothes. Yes, uh, I, perhaps, perhaps I, I, in my mind, minimalism is about focusing not just on the quality of your clothing, let's say, which I think when you shop sustainable, sustainably, that is taken care of, but also being mindful of the quantity of clothing in, in your wardrobe. So that's where I was coming from. But Shivangani, on that note, I would love to know outside of your wardrobe, what are some other ways in which you are practicing mindful living? I walk wherever I can. I think that's the one thing because, you know, especially in a city, we're so used to, and, and I didn't do this earlier. Even to drop my daughter to school, I would take a car and her school is not really far. You know, things like that. Because like, oh, I'll have to make her walk but let her walk. It's okay. You know, like, so things like that. So I try not to use the car as much. I try to walk to the market, to friends' houses, anything, even two, three kilometers. And if I have time and I'm, like, I, I can finish work over calls, I'll take the calls while I'm walking and I'll walk this. That's something I have started doing the last three years. In fact, um, that I'm, there's obviously the usual there's no plastic you know we try i think the plastic bags that i used in my house have been there for at least five odd years the same plastic bags have been circulating in the house to pack stuff and you know keep things uh, the one thing i have tried and i still struggle with obviously is using detergents and all that are not you know harmful because i know people say that I mean, not people say they're they probably brands that really clean as well as, you know, all the chemical detergents. Uh, I haven't found one yet for at least very stubborn stains, to be honest. Uh, I do keep experimenting with a lot of them and, uh, you know, think 
that I always I'm, I'm clumsy. I always drop food, and there'll, there'll always be that one thing that requires a chemical thing to like clean a chemical detergent to clean it. So that's one thing I struggle with, but I do try and you know take. I'm trying to eliminate that, uh, and you know now trying to completely eliminate purchase of not trying to. I have of any sort of plastic containers, like for example, your hand wash and stuff like that, because even your refill packs actually very harmful. So we're just using soap because when I was a kid, we had soaps next to the wash basin to wash hands. I don't know when it became, I mean, I'm, I know it's marketing. I, I mean, I was in advertising, so I know that it is marketing. And at some point we didn't even know that you can just use a soap. You don't need a hand wash to wash hands. Like, you know, that pump basically. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the one thing we've definitely done in the last, 18 months itself after I started spending all this time at home where just like shampoo bottles and soap bottles and you know body washes and all of them coming in plastic bottles is just so harmful uh, so we've stopped that uh, I'm just buying soaps now like paper like soaps from Amazon soaps from small brands which come in paper you know wraps and for your hair for your hands for your clothes I'm trying to do stuff like that um, how else besides, I mean, besides home, besides using your things very well and not discarding them just for the sake of it, because you don't like it, then you pass it on to someone who will actually use it. Uh, a lot of times we end up giving things, for example, in India to house help. Um, and you don't really know whether they want to use it or it fits their lifestyle. It's very important to think about that. Uh, how else do I be mindful? bucket parts is if that if that can be included because yes absolutely yeah so uh, it's something I've taught my daughter as well so unless we are washing our hair we, we just we're going to take bucket parts because it's and it's just so we end up wasting so much water in each shower you know it's not required so that is one thing we have been doing again for the last 18 odd months only not since a very long time uh Great. Those, those are some. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of other ways, but this is what I can think of. That I, I'm sure what you've just laid out actually gives people a lot of great ideas in terms of how they can also bring in small changes into their day to day so they can live more sustainably and mindfully. Just switch off the lights. You know, in the cities, we don't switch off our lights. We yes. need to when we leave the rooms and all. We should just you know, get those really energy efficient lights and then switch them off if you're leaving the room, even for five minutes, it's worth it, you know. That's true. So Shivangini, where do you see us going in the post-pandemic world, specifically, let's say, looking at slow fashion? What are your thoughts on the future of slow fashion? There's a lot of awareness, Bhavna. I want to just say that, especially now, people are definitely more aware uh, especially the younger generation, right? But there's a lot of mismatch as well in between the intention and final action. I really want to say that because a lot of people do want to do the correct things, right? They, they say, we want to buy, say, for example, mindfully, whether it's your food, you know, it's, which is you go and buy food that is straight from a farmer or from a store where it's not put in plastic bags and stuff like that. Uh, and, and I'm giving an example of food so that, you know, we don't make it just about fashions, but like a lifestyle kind of thing. Uh, people want to do it. And yet you will find them buying packaged, plastic packaged fruit imported from New Zealand, for example. 
it's it's undoing your intention you know you're trying to eat clean but you're really polluting the planet it at a whole different level when you do something like that so similarly with fast fashion with fast fashion slow fashion all of those things as well what's happened is that there's a lot of awareness but then people excuse themselves say i can't afford it you know for example i can't afford buying sustainable fashion which is because they don't understand or realize that sustainable fashion is not about buying labels or buying designer you know you can as i said go to a tailor you can buy straight from a weaver you can you know uh, thrift you can upcycle recycle there's so many ways it doesn't have to be about shopping you know so right from there uh, there'll be things like like you know we had put up a post i know this from example and we got a lot of people saying oh you excluding 80% of the country who can't afford you know sustainable brands but i'm like but we are always a sustainable country these are new polyester nylon rayon these are new fibers you know we are not actually going from nylon to khadi you were always with khadi and handwoven and cotton and all of it and then this came about in the 80s and 90s and you know all the marketing happened and the main thing being that you don't need to iron those clothes which made it so easy for everyday use and then obviously the cheapness of it because it's a by product of the petroleum industry right so it's going to be cheaper than cotton so just things like that uh, there's a lot of misconception in the arguments you know to excuse themselves saying that oh you know i can't afford it or it's too ex- not not i can't afford it it's too expensive or uh, you know there's not enough variety again there, there is it's about just looking for it or or just getting stitched you know things like that so there is, i think there is a bright future of course you can see that large companies are beginning to have green green lines and conscious lines and yes there's a lot of green washing but i want to think that they'll get it right in a few years it, it's very it's it's you know it's easier to steer a small boat than a large ship it's the same thing so we have no choice but to think that they have their hearts in the right place and that they will lead by example eventually but it is only going to become mainstream when they do it not when brands like ours do it we will always be niche brands we will always be slightly more expensive we because of our it's it's about the quantities that we make it right it's about that is the economics of scale so it's always going to be a barrier for us for it to be as affordable as large companies can make it so the future is bright but it's going to be slow i think this whole conversation about it's going the change is going to happen tomorrow is very optimistic uh, over optimistic i would say because we are in the business so we know how it's going uh, people are still not shopping from us and they shouldn't shop from us for that reason alone but they're not shopping from us because we're a clean brand they're shopping from us because they like our clothes you know so i think when they start shopping from us because they like our clothes plus we are a green brand i'm talking the majority they'll always obviously be the you know the ones who do both but i think the majority needs to get onto that bandwagon where they shop sustainably for fashion that's not happening the awareness has increased but it's not going to happen until sometimes i I'm, i'm not trying to paint a like a darker picture but i just it's reality you know yes 
Yes. It's so no, tempting, you know, you see a discount online. It's so tempting to go shop a t-shirt for 100 rupees, 200 rupees. I get it. You know, yeah. that it, it's going, it, e-commerce has really spoiled us in that way. So it's going to be a while till we undo that in, the, in our own minds more than anything else. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and I think you paint a realistic picture more than anything else. Yes, the awareness is increasing, but you're right. I think we all, there's a lot of work need to, that needs to be done. And hopefully as each of us individually and all of us collectively also make better choices and more conscious choices, we will hopefully with that start to see the tide turn and, um, and hopefully in an accelerated way. So let's keep our fingers crossed for that. I would certainly like to see that. And I, I know you will as well. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. All right. Last question, final question, but an important one. Um, one of the things we always say in terms of what does it really take to be a conscious woman? One of the core things is that you lead or live with a very conscious set of values in terms of you're very intentional about what are the values you want to live by that you want to express through your work and just how you show up in the world so my question to you would be what would those values be for you Shivangini I think there are two and uh, we've obviously built the summer house around it but even if the summer house was not there, these are two values that I have decided to build my life around. Uh, one is kindness. And uh, it's the moment you decide to be a kind person in your own personal relationships, you know, the way you speak to people, the way you interact with your family, your friends, uh, the way you speak to your team and interact with them and give them what is due to them. And then obviously the planet, people it, it, it starts from home and you know expands to all of it so I really want to be a kind person and that's something I very consciously practice and uh, try to not have knee-jerk reactions to anything because you know that's when the kindness goes for a toss and the second thing is to listen I think uh, as we grow older and older our patience to listen and especially in today's world where we are all about saying and telling and sharing our stories uh, on social media and, you know, various places. Uh, but to actually sit and also listen, you know, uh, you'll find a story that is deeper than what is just being projected. Uh, you know, you'll, find, you'll be able to connect to the person, whether it's your consumer, whether it's your family, whether it's your friend, uh, your partner. You will be able to, in, in spite of, instead of just saying what you have to say and deciding this is my point of view, but also being able to listen. I think that definitely changes a lot of things in terms of the quality, again, of life and everything that I've, I'm trying to build around. So yeah, just keeping an open ear, which eventually ends up with an open mind and just being kind. And we're all inherently kind. I think people from Shinomics, people who follow Summer House, uh, if you see, like, you know, if there's a puppy up that in distress, everyone will put up things. And, you know, going back, I, I want to give this example of fashion. So, you know, we'll put up things about, you know, oh, my God, this puppy has been, uh, you know, not taken care of. Someone should adopt it. You know, like there's a kitten crying in the backyard. You will quickly go and check. Why is there a cat crying since half an hour? 
because it's right there it's happening in front of us you know when you see someone mistreat a woman you immediately stand up and say you can't do this the thing with like our food right you 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 try to eat organic food you try not to eat packaged food that has chemicals or additives and stuff like that the thing with fashion is that the distance between the abuse and i say the word abuse uh, whether it's of the people making it or the planet and you is too great it's not happening in your backyard so these are kind people making unkind choices because they're not because the guilt of it being right in front of them is not there if you actually saw the woman and the way she was being treated you know the kind of sexual harassment she faces the fact that she can't take a day off for her period the fact that her salary is going to be cut if she takes 10 minutes more from her lunch break the fact that they're stitching the same sleeve like it's not like they don't stitch an entire garment right in the factory they're just stitching the same sleeve garment after garment after garment after garment in dim light no ventilation if this happened in front of you you would speak up for it but it's happening very far away so the guilt associated with it or rather even the consciousness of oh my god i need to do something about it is not there because there's too huge a gap again unlike food or skin products where it impacts you directly your health directly and so you try to do the clean thing fashion is an impact to health in that sense it's impacting someone else's health someone else's mental health someone else's physical health you know the farmer's physical health when he uses pesticides for example so because it doesn't impact you directly your health directly and it's not happening in your backyard even as a kind nice mindful person who's there for the world it is very easy to make an unkind choice in fashion and i think the moment you're aware of that or at least try to remember it i'm sure we are aware because we read a lot uh hopefully it will help us make a choice and you know that is true to our value because kindness is intrinsic to us you know in india we grow up with these values especially i'm sure across the world but all our parents they teach us to be kind right so at what point do we actually practice that lesson yes yes absolutely thank you for those powerful words shivangini may we all make kinder choices and more mindful choices in every sense of the word and hopefully with greater awareness more and more of us will so shivangini on that note thank you so much for coming on this podcast and enlightening all of us about mm-hmm. the ins and outs of mindful fashion which the world so desperately needs Um so thank you so much it was a wonderful conversation. Great to have been here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the conversation yeah. to be insightful. If you did, please do leave us a review as that would be most helpful in helping others discover this podcast as well. To learn more about the work that we do, please go to shinomics.com. We look forward to having you tune in again for future episodes. Until then, may you be well, may you be happy. and may you be at peace like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store